Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into to play for a team called um, uh, the Nemes Kid. Obviously, sharing is always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. Taking it like a whip lead. Um, a bit of advice that I'm playing for the one. I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the great cricketer. What a week in the cricket, Sam Perry. What a week in the cricket. Everything's happening. Everything, mostly bad, but there's lots of good as well in the cricket and the SCG test matches. Probably like there's so many things to talk about in the broader sense of the cricket, but let's just focus specifically on the SCG. David Milan is on the show, international T20 number one batsman in the world. He's the best. He's the best in the world, and he's on the Grade Cricketer podcast. Uh, this is all brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. Use the code CHAMP at checkout for free shipping. It's budgiesmuggler.com. My name's Ian Higgins. I'm driving by Sam Perry. Pezzy lad. He goes. Um, fuck, man. There's there's everything in this. There's hog piles. There's oh, bat yeah. normally. Yeah. There's blokes rubbing out centers. There's yeah. shadow batting. There's test matches. There's Richard Pan hitting 97. Cameron Green's hit some tall runs. There's stump marks. It, it, uh, fuck, it's everything. <laughs> and also, it's really grade cricket. It's all there, isn't it? It's all there. If you want it to be. <laughs> now, now, we won't skirt around the edges here. There's obviously some, some negative. There's quite a lot of negative things to talk about. Um, but um, And let's start there. And let's start with the negatives. Uh, but before we do that, Pez, um, patreon.com forward slash grade cricketer. There's some stuff going on there. We obviously had the Hats of Coglu, that sorry, the Hats Oglu um, interview last week. Got a new one dropping this week as well, a little yeah. BBL special. Yeah, Ben Menenti's on. Ben Menenti's on. Um, the the quality of RCDCs, now we have RCDC Fridays every week on Patreon. Yeah. Uh, episode 22 involved a great story written in from one of our dear patrons. Yeah. Uh, he has cerebral palsy, he's an umpire, and he uh, likes sledging people. It's mm. very, very funny. Mm. It's it's up there now. I also want to preface this with one of the great Hall of uh, Fame questions for RCDCs coming up in this show as yeah. well. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Uh, that's patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. If you care to have more of this in your life, if not, don't worry about it. No dramas. Hey, mate, the third test. Um, oh gee, I thought Cummins by really well. <laughs> <laughs> the cum dog. <laughs> yeah. Cider. Okay, mate. Um, <laughs> now, hey, hey, could I look? We're going we're gonna to roll into. Uh, you know, some of the, the social things going on, how mm. they're all connected and stuff like that. Stunningly good test cricket. Mm. I don't mean just to get it out of the way. This is the best series I've seen since in mm. Australia mm. since uh, 
I can remember cricket. It is mm. it is heavyweight. It's one v two. Mm. It ebbs and flows. It is completely different to the cricket we're normally used to seeing here. And I'm sure that part of their uh, fracturing that's going on is is connected to the pressure that's being generated from this series. I'm not saying blame good cricket for racism or <laughs> allegations of it. Cricket's too <laughs> or, good. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know boorishness in our country. Yeah, but um. The cricket is sensational. Like on this, at the start of day three, yeah, uh, I was just re- reflecting on the fact that it was sort of we're halfway through the SCG test, yeah, halfway through the series, it's one-one. The game was pretty even at that point. Rahane and Pajara were facing up to Cummins and Hazelwood. Mm. Just thinking, it it has been sensational. Mm. How teams have been com- coming back and forth. You made the point um, just off air before that matches tend to be swinging on. Mm. Minimal things like drop catches or miss runouts and stuff so close to those teams, which I thought was an excellent point. Uh, and, the, you know, what India managed to do on day five was historic. Mm. You know, it was tough. We'll talk about what toughness is as well later in the show, but uh, got to hand it to both teams from a, a pure cricketing perspective. It's been enthralling. Yeah. Um, okay, mate. Well, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start from the top here because mm. obviously the, it, it moves so quickly, isn't it? Because the, the conversation today... This is, this is Tuesday where we're recording this, yeah. um, the day that it will come out. Um, so the conversation today is that like the pain sledging people and he's letting, letting the country down, that sort of thing. But, but the biggest story probably, um, and we will be ranking the stories, is, is the, the alleged racism that's happened at the SCG. Now, we've spoken about this. Uh, we've spoken about the Black Lives Matter movement for a period of time here, basically since the UK, mm. um, the UK summer. Now, and we've been called BLM wankers. Yeah, and BLM tosses, BLM tosses I think. BLM wankers, here they are. <laughs> here we go, winding up. Yeah, fuck me, here we go. Just play the cricket. Um, now, Pez, like, I, I have anxiety talking about this, mate, to be honest, because, like, because I, mate, all I've, all I've ever wanted to do, including this show, is make people laugh. That's all I want to do. I'm not, like, I'm not a social um, expert. I'm not uh, a racism expert, social justice issues. I'm none of those things. I'm just a fucking idiot with an internet account. I just want to make people laugh. That's all I want to do. I have anxiety about speaking about this issue because i fuck i don't know man i don't i don't know what's happened i don't think anyone it's anyone, not clear anyone on the internet knows what's happened and that's part of the part of the problem because i mean i've been sort of following this as many people seem to have been doing so on twitter mm. which is the single worst place that you can have any sort of discourse about anything and i think the issue is about this specific incident i'm talking about what happened on day four with the six guys who got kicked out of the scg um, where Siraj stopped the game and he said, these guys are abusing me or racially abusing me. And then these guys are now like sort of the face of racism in the world, essentially. And like everything I've seen around this, including reports that, um, that the guys from the SMH, Tom Decent, who's a very, um, very good journalist, he uh, interviewed people at the time and there was people saying like they didn't say anything racist. The BCCI have said um, that the allegation is that, um, that people, did. people were yelling out brown dog. Mm. And the day before. And the day before. The I think that was two, well. the, the two days before as well. It's all part of it. I don't fucking know. I'm just a guy trying to watch the cricket. I'm looking at people's reactions in the crowd and no one's like that, that whole thing about before that people got kicked out. It seemed all very confusing. No one was pointing the finger at them. Um, the game is stopped. There's obviously, there's, there's this great and very well spoken about history of um, great being expansive history of, um, you know, institutional racism in Australia. Um, that is very unspoken about. <laughs> still, it seems it's mm. it's underlying, and we don't even know how racist mm. we are yet. And we still 
police what racism is, although those who claim like who claim to experience it are telling that telling us they feel like they it is. They feel like it is. Yeah, it's like, oh, right. no, no, we'll be the arbiters of whether it is or not. Exactly. So when I talk about, now I'm talking about from my own instance now, so yeah. when I'm talking about having um, being a white guy talking to my white friend on a podcast about what racism is, mm. I have anxiety about it because I don't fucking know. I will, I will never know probably what it is like to be vindicated or vilified or made to feel small, small as uh, Ravi Ashwin said in the press conference after day five, for the color of my skin, my ethnicity, my creed, my religion, whatever, you know, I won't, I won't know what that feels like. And I will never know what that feels like probably. So um, I'm sort of reticent to understand fully what's going on because at, at the moment, as we're recording this, there have been no charges laid by the uh, mm. SCG. There's all this fucking weird footage um, of like people saying like, oh no, if you listen between seven and eight seconds on this video for 19 seconds, you can hear someone yelling out brown dog. I must've watched that video 50 times. Can't hear shit. Anyone mm. who says they can hear something is they're, they're you can't, you cannot mm. hear that. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen because it's 19 seconds and they were there for fucking four hours. I so mate, I, I, I'm not saying like, oh, I don't believe it didn't happen. I just don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. Do you know what I mean? Like, but, but it's, but I think two things can be true at the same time. Australia has an incredible history of um, sort of underlying racism and overt racism as well. But I don't know if what those guys said that day was racist. I think both of those things can be true. But if I feel like if I say like, I don't know if what they said was racist. I feel like if I say that, yeah. then people are like, oh, defending racists, are you? No, nah, I'm not. I'm just saying I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful because the it can appear. Uh, perception is everything because yeah. while there's still stuff going on about what was said or wasn't said or whatnot, and it's important that, you know, racism is a high bar to clear because it's, it's necessarily so because it's such a heinous thing to do. Mm. You, you want to get that right. Mm. Um, but the mere act of seeking clarity about it can appear readying a defence for racists right, as yeah. well. All this goes to show is that there's many media platforms out there that are not appropriate to discuss <laughs> these things because yeah, yeah. 280 characters is enough. Yeah. It's complex, it's grey. We're now having a bigger conversation uh, around, uh, the, I suppose, a spectrum of um, racism, our ability to reflect on ourselves and boorishness. It is a little bit of a spectrum, I think. They are they are slightly different, but um, I do think the conversation has evolved uh, a little bit. So um, it seems to me that there's a broader conversation going on about the way we behave, the way Aussies behave to visiting teams. Um, and uh, and that's that too is going to be a very important conversation to have, you know, and mm-hmm. to reflect upon. And, you know, I look – at the risk of spending too much time kind of defending these guys or whatever, mm. when things like this happen, you you know, I think that a sensible thing to do is to start to interrogate what are the systemic issues that contribute to that. Now, like, I, you know, I have anxiety saying the following as well. Like, I, I have some level of sympathy um, for the young guys who were kicked out in the sense that I could see why they would be confused mm. about the messages they receive around things, uh, issues of verbal jousting, you know, which is like so institutionalised in the way Australians um, enjoy their sport. Yeah, so yeah. you turn up to the ground, they're probably sitting rows away from literally a bronzed statue of Yabba calling <laughs> something out. Um, they've also got their captain in trouble at the moment for calling Ravi Ashwin a dickhead, among other things, you know, that may or may not have been said. Mm. Um Kerry O'Keefe made the point the other day that his number one question after playing 24 test matches is what's the best sledge you've heard? You know, verbal jousting, whatever you want to call it, is part of our culture. Mm. They sit at the ground. They're being served alcohol Mm. uh, as well all day. Mate, I've been 19 and 20 out at the cricket carrying on like a dickhead, and Mm. I feel 
uh, I cringe like looking back on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I, I I have sympathy for these guys in the sense that they ha- were presented at that time as they as the face of potential racism when mm. really our issue is mm. much broader and deeper than mm. that. Mm. Um, a symptom, you mm. know, of of something much deeper and a conversation that's always important to have. Mm. I think. Don't have a lot of time for the what aboutery about it. You know, a lot of people will point out, well, things like this happen in the UK and happen, and then they do. But this is our country, you know, mm. and we're going to deal with our things. Mm. Uh, so just because others do it doesn't mean that we don't have things that we need to sort out mm. about it as well. You know, I actually think the whole the the entire episode is quite connected when you bring into things uh, bring in things like the things that Payne was saying. Mm. Uh, Andrew Simon's hot mic comments about Manus Labuschagne. They're all of the same theme. It's all about the way we one-up, the way we verbally joust people, the way that sits on the line between abuse and banter, as Justin Langer said. Mm. Uh, it's all really cause for self-reflection. Mm. If you've got shit chat, just don't talk that much. Yeah, it is. Now, I, I, um, <laughs> the racism thing, I'm, I, I don't, as I said, I, I don't know about. Mm. But, like, the, the abuse element, I'm exactly the same as you, Matt. I can think of instances in my life where i've either seen it or um or been the guy myself now i've never yelled at anything racist i will mm. say that now uh, here's another part of my anxiety i'm fucking i don't want to be sitting here on you know the podcast and yeah. be like oh i'm fucking holier now let me yeah. preach from my high horse position because i'm fucking i've made so many mistakes in my yeah. life in you know, on a cricket field outside of that i'm fucking i'm no one to be saying like well this is how you should live your life because i'm a fucking idiot but <laughs> but like, I remember one of the first times I ever went to the SCG, people listening for the first time, Pez and I both from Sydney. So, like, all my cricket experiences, apart from recently, have been watching cricket at the SCG. One of the first times I ever went, went with my dad and um, Devin Malcolm was filling down the boundary. And there was a guy behind me, big fat guy, and he was uh, he was yelling out to Devin Malcolm, fucking move your big fridge or your big washing machine or a combination mm-hmm. of those two things, that kind of abuse, stuff like that. I remember sitting in the... Uh, SCG members maybe 15-ish years ago. VVS Laxman was fielding. A guy yelled out. I've said this before. I've told this mm. before. Someone yelled out, Laxman looks like he just sucked off a horse. Push. You know, that kind, that kind of shit. I remember when I was maybe first time I ever went to the SCG by myself, I was maybe 15, something like that. It was a one-day international and Michael Bevan was fielding on the boundary and I was with my mate and we were doing the Bevan, give us oh, yeah. a wave, Bevan, give us, you know, and I think about it now, it's like, mate, you're a fucking dickhead, just shut up because I'm, I'm now ruining the experience for everyone around me. Another time I was at the SCG, um, Australia, Australia, New Zealand, ODI, when was that? Mm, I think it would have been about 18, 19 maybe. So, yeah, two years ago. And, um, and, uh, I was like just hammered at like 2.30 in the afternoon, brought like a bottle of rum into the ground, yeah. drinking in the day sun, then like starting walking down. I was in the – then it was the top section of the Doug Walter stand. It's a different setup now. They knocked it all down. But back then, I was trying to start like Mexican waves. People were like sitting with their partners and shit. I was like, oh, let's start a Mexican wave. Ten, nine. It's like, you're a fucking twat, mate. Just fucking sit there and watch the cricket, you dickhead. So what I'm saying is like I've been in a position where like I've been the idiot at the ground who's like yelling out things – you know, I would again. I'd say I've never abused someone, but like I've been the guy who's fucking annoyed the experience for other people around, just being young and idiot, alcohol, these sort of things. And as this part of, now, I think about it now and being like, mate, that's really stupid. That's mm. embarrassing. It's embarrassing to even talk about it now. I suppose the question is why? Like, why not just right. you? But like, why are we like that? Like, you know, what is it about the conditions of our country or sport that mm. sets up that relationship where, mm. you know sledging others is 
part of the enjoyment of it, even felt like a little bit of a rite or part of the ritual of the day. Mm. Uh, you know, you, that's where you start to look at leadership. You start to look at example. You know, mm. when you're young, you just follow what uh, what you see to be right and enjoyable. I was the same. I couldn't wait till I yeah. was like 18 to get out into the outer and drink a few beers and carry on because I because. Because when you're with your mates, you think you're hilarious. Everyone thinks it's hilarious, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially when you've got a few beers in you and you and you carry on. Well, it's interesting, mate, isn't it? Because that's sort of like a bit more than ten years ago now, and it's like I would I would never do that now. Yeah. And it's almost like when I was when I got to that age, when I was got to like 18, 19, first time out of the house kind mm. of gear, you know, mm. could buy alcohol at a bar at the ground. I was lionizing the things that I'd seen from when I was a kid, when people could drink full strength alcohol mm. on the hill and yabber and all that mm. kind of gear, stacking up beer snakes, all mm. that sort of thing. And that that to be fair, <laughs> lots of that can still be fun. As long as no one's getting hurt, kind of thing, you know. Um, but it's uh, it, it it is it is really strange that in Australia that's how that's part of the consumption of sport. Mm. That's what mm. it appears to be. And like you look at that, you look at the videos and people yelling out "Siraj, give us a wave" and stuff. Mm. Now I'm just saying, like I've literally done the same thing, not to an opposing player or, mm. or anything like that. But it's like it's like, oh my god, why why are you doing that? Yeah, why are you doing? That? And you kind of hope as well that those guys who got kicked out of the ground, that I mean, they must be in fucking pieces now. Course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what they said, but yeah. and this is the thing, right? Like, we can. Well, I don't want to dedicate too much time to the did they, didn't they around something racist said, though that is important. Yeah. Um, but there's a bigger discussion. It's moved into a bigger discussion now. But what we're left with is images. You know, it's just so embarrassing. Again, whether or not yeah. it's happened or fair or not, and yeah. hopefully that's all very, you know happens in a really just way, mm. uh, if that's even possible now. Their faces being on TV and stuff like that. But like. Um, you're left with the images, you're left with the still images, you're left with uh, people overseas looking at it and going, oh, the Aussies are up to it again. Back at it's, it, yeah. it, you can't talk about these things as isolated incidents because our country has form around this kind of stuff. Right. And so someone might say, listen, we can't actually isolate if they or there was other racist things said, but there's a lot of people around the country who'll be like, well, it does happen in Australia, you know. You don't have to look at what happened with Adam Goods and that just kept going on and on and on and yeah, on. Yeah. You know, we have form, we have priors mm. on this kind of stuff. So that actually impacts the way um, people perceive it. I actually I happen to think that it's broadly connected to the same theme as the way the Aussies have been carrying on. I mean, they've done great work in the last couple of years to clean up their image. Even if it's been keeping a lid on things, they've stopped carrying on like cunts uh, mm. since Lehman left, basically. Mm. Uh, and I think Tim Payne has done a very good job at keeping a lid on those things. Now, some people, particularly overseas, suspected that there was still a little bit of that in them. We did as well. But it's still good that they had kept a lid on it. But they let themselves down, you know, and they, they the lid came off a little bit yesterday when they were under pressure. They cracked. It was actually soft. They're trying to look tough, but it was soft. Mm. Uh, Payne's apologised since, and I think essentially said the same thing. Toughness was India yesterday. Mm. No words, just actions. They're all in hospital. They're all injured. They've been bumped, you know, Australia's bumped the shit out of them. Mm. And they've, you know, secured a historic draw <laughs> uh, going into the Gabba, you know. Mm. On the flip side, 60 balls to go in the game, and Tim Payne's calling Ravi Ashwin a dickhead and saying, we can't wait to get you at the Gabba. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, there's 60 balls left in this game. Let's mm. get him out. You know, mm. shut up and get him out. Now, mm. I'm sure Payne will improve from that. He's 35 years old, he's still, but he's he's also still a young person. He will improve. He will yeah. learn. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's funny how it's a part of our culture a little bit. It's like when it gets a little bit tough, people yeah. under pressure, yeah. we sort of we go the verbal route. Steve Smith's thing. We don't know what the fuck's happened there. Some people are like, well, is he trying to scratch up pants crease or is he just doing his kind of semi-OCD thing mm. or whatever? Mm. Why be part? Of, why be in that conversation anyway? Why? Why is he even doing that? You know what? It's I, and, and the reason why. Sorry, just yeah, to finish. The yeah. reason why people ask that question is not in and of itself the isolated incident, but 
because they're a prize. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a there's there's form when That's it comes right. to this kind of stuff. So it, even if you weren't doing anything wrong, people will wonder if you were because yeah, yeah, of other stuff. Yeah. So they sort of it actually disappointed me. You know, yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. oh, you're kind of undoing your good work here, boys. Yeah, yeah. I found it really interesting because it was just it was all of it was fucking so great cricket from about oh, four yeah. o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. and I was like, when I saw Smith. Smith thing, uh, the scratching up the crease, um, and people were just being like, "Oh, oh, I, yeah. I cannot! Oh, yeah. oh, he's doing what? Yeah. Oh, I, this! I just yeah. can't!" I was like, "Shut the fuck hey, up!" One of the great genres. For oh my god, poms and kiwis. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like, mate, Aussies. Oh, behave. he's at it again! <laughs> oh no! Yeah. <laughs> Aussies behaving badly would be one of the best fucking TV shows. In the UK, like Geordie Shaw, just like hate watching, yeah, you know, yeah. same with uh, those fat shaming shows and stuff. If you just did a whole doco on Aussies behaving badly, that'd rate the fucking shit out of TV yeah, in the UK. Yeah. It's one of the great genres of all time. Yeah. It's like embarrassing bodies, yeah, but just yeah. seeing Aussies Because it just hits all the dark recesses of like the bad, our, all of our dark angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Aussies, convicts. Yeah. Uncivilized people, unlike yeah. us, yeah. we're one, we're exactly. one, we're yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. we know how to play with decorum, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> we got our own problems. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll exactly. worry about our own backyard. Uh, I just, I just saw that, and I was just the fucking, you know, the reaction to it. But you're, you're entirely right. It's just like no, but it's it's in the um, it's prefaced by everything that's happened before. Um, and the conversations around like has he learned his lesson and all this kind of shit. Lots of people have been saying today on on Twitter that again the, yeah. the wonderful forum. There's a good forum for it. Really actually. good forum for it. Because you like, just got to summarize. You just got to get it sorted out. You got to summarize just, it. Just yeah, a few words that, together yeah. and just be clean and perfect. Yeah, clean and perfect. Um, get all the nuances. And just people saying like, well, he does this like between every break and stuff. Probably does. He's, yeah, he's weird enough. Probably the guy was shadow banning in full whites before yeah. a dressing room. He probably yeah. was doing that. Yeah. Probably, you know. Yeah. But but it's all just wrapped up in the thing of like the sledging, and then like Ashwin hit Wade at bat pad, and Wade's yeah. fucking charging at him. Yeah. They're sledging Marnus in a little bit of an aggressive way in re- in relation to the Simons and Warren comments. Payne's having a chat, you know, drop catches. Or, it's just all a bit <laughs> angsty and stuff, mate. I, but I also wonder, mate. I, I don't want to like. I don't want to um, give him the out, but I will by saying this now. Um, that I just wondered the impact of um, the bubble life yeah. and all this sort of thing and the intensity and and this this is actually the point this is actually the point of all of this thing I think is this is a fantastic series yeah. the cricket the quality of the cricket the quality of the wickets yeah. well the SCG didn't really turn yeah. if, the SCG, if that was the MCG there'd be a few <laughs> people piping up they'd be right yeah we'd be storming Jollymont mm. <laughs> in a coup in a coup attempt um, you know it, but. Th- and the pressure to win this series, you know, and it's India and we don't like it how India is actually – India owns cricket. And we don't yeah. like that because it's our game or whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's whatever. fucking it's some okay. territorial shit, I don't yeah. know. And, uh, and I just want to like the impact of all this kind of thing. They're stressed out. Mate, I was fucking in my apartment in a, you know, fucking box for five months. And if I was playing international cricket at the same time, as I was when I was shut <laughs> about it, it got a bit weird towards yeah. the end, if I'm honest. Yeah. You didn't get picked in twos. Or I didn't get any beat. You might have been. <laughs> mm. the invisible, with that cover driver. Invisible arm in my, in my apartment. Um. You know, like it's it must be high stress, but they just sort of flipped out. But the point is that like it's all it's all great cricket. And all these guys that are playing this Australian cricket team have all still come through great cricket. And when you're stressed out, you revert to type. And I recognise so many of those things playing great cricket. What the, what was happening at four o'clock in the afternoon? It was like it was like India had already passed our score and they were just batting on. Yeah, just a bit of frustration. Yeah. I've 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 seen it before where like you know guys start doing things like I've played in games where guys have literally marked up my my centre piece as well, like with the um. 
the marking of centre. They've scuffed that up. They walk past you a little bit too closely yeah. when the batsman... They stand where you'd be standing. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, the captain will then change the field and he'll stand, like, literally on top of your toes, like, yeah. just going, no, square up. You know, just all these little sorts of things that are fucking annoying. Um, and that's what Australia did. They just reverted mm. the type and it got a little bit angsty, a little bit more pressure. Mm. It's but funny it's actually, if you look at it like that, but... For, uh, yeah, and you revert to type and you that's sort of how you're conditioned as well. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I think when they start carrying on like that, uh, someone as experienced as Ashwin would be like, oh, we've got him here, you know? Yeah. If, if, if this is the sort of stuff you have to do, mm. then clearly whatever you're doing with the ball is not working or in the field or whatever. And then, you know, dropping the cash after your sledge, well, that's the fucking the, the worst, mm. you know, sort of bang, bang, mm. if you will. So, mm. yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Can we talk about uh, Warren and Simons and the... <laughs> the <laughs> I didn't catch that. The mics. <laughs> Well, I, I, like with on Ward and Simons, it's like actually, fir- actually dropping firstly loath to criticise hot mics. Um, oh yeah, glass yeah, houses. Yeah, glass fucking houses. <laughs> one day, one fucking day. So yeah. uh, there is that. But like, I fuck. You know, there's two levels to it because I'm the the like Simons talk about hogpiling. I just <laughs> just I've just thought about it so much in the last few days. Yeah. Like, it what was mean? just really jarring. You know, like um. You know, <laughs> I'm a relaxed Queenslander. I like fishing and beer. But if you fucking step out of line, and by line I mean a vaguely defined set of behavioural norms that me and my fishing mates will be the arbiter of in yeah. Queensland, yeah. I'm going to get every teammate to jump on you and I'm going to squeeze your guts out of your ass Because I'm a relaxed Queenslander and I fish. And, you know, I'll give you a beer at the end like Stuart Law and keep it out, you know, call it even. <laughs> Love a beer after the call. It's just so jarring. Like yeah. I think Warney's talking about like they should have given him a bowl, and he sort of went along with Simon. It's like he's getting fucking ADD pills. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ! Whoa! Yeah, yeah. it was like yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I would give him, would give him an hog pile. <laughs> <laughs> just been responding to everything mates have said to me the last few days. Going, oh, careful, mate, hog pile, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually in relation to um to Brad Hog. Yeah, uh, they used to tackle him. Yeah, uh, then jump on top of him. That's that's a normal. That's a <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, because Manus carries on and it is irritating. I find. Yeah, but who is the real weirdo in that situation, mate? Because that, that's, that's fucking weird too. Just in the more nineties fucking chesty bloke ways. Like, I'm real, real. I'm a real relaxed guy, but I'm fucking angry if you're not exactly the sort of person I want you to be. And my response to that would be, like, I'll jump on top of you. I'll squeeze your guts <laughs> out of your ass, mate. It's very vivid. <laughs> Punishment too. <laughs> Just seemed to flow. It was great. It was great riffing. I want yeah. more than Simon's yeah, exactly. commentary, to be honest. <laughs> um, okay. Have we done enough about the behavioural issues and that sort of stuff? I mean, can we talk about the cricket now? Because the cricket's really good. Or do you want to say something else? I don't know. I feel like there's a couple. Of, there's <coughs> other things to say about it. But uh, oh I, no, I say I say one thing. Like uh, so many of these conversations, like structure themselves around cultural lines or or like um, good versus evil. You know, particularly our our great friends overseas will be using this as evidence to, um, uh, I guess, validate the idea that Tim Payne was always um, a cunt. Well, and, after and, what and, he- and it was all a, it was all a facade. It's just not like that. Like he might have regulated his behaviour or others or the team's behaviour much better than they did in the past, and he's slipped up. You know, he's made a mistake. He's apologised for the mistake. I'm not saying therefore it's over. He probably did reveal himself a little bit more, and what people suspected to be true. But that doesn't erase the good work before then. It's a and I know this is because empathy doesn't sell very well in media. We've actually cost ourselves a job by sort of maybe trying to explain a few things or, or having some sympathy for those who've made mistakes. But it turns out when you give it a bit of time, it's okay. Like he, he's, he's fucked up. 
He's fucked up. He has revealed himself a bit. It does tarnish him a bit. He'll probably come back to Brisbane and he'll behave really well. Again, hopefully he plays well. I know that does. that's not a good grabby line for the media, but that's probably – is that not – Something Mate. approaching a sensible truth. Mate, I tell you what's a fucking mistake. NASA is saying bat- bowling first at the Gabba in 2003. That's a fucking mistake. What about when he did that? <laughs> what about mistakes you made? <laughs> what about the time we were better at cricket than you? Mate, i got to say, like, I had to, I had to, um, just the anger on Twitter last yeah. night. Uh, you had to scroll for four hours. Mate, I had to scroll yeah. through all of you it to really scroll that. get real deep into yeah. that. Get yeah. much sleep? <laughs> oh, yeah, mate. Slept yeah. like a baby for six minutes. Fuck me! Uh, it's just a couple know, of takes, mate. There's just there's just the anger with it, and I think maybe maybe again, you know, I give COVID the cop out, but like I just feel like everyone's a little bit angsty. You know, we just want our team to win. Nothing's normal. We can't go to the games. You got to wear a mask. You can't even be racist anymore at the games. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I mean, you can't. You know, it's fucking. Everyone's so angry about like, oh, he's a dickhead and like, he's saying this and, you know, then there's, yeah. there's actual issues of like problems with crowd yeah, behaviour. That's an actual issue. But like, but the cricket's fucking good. It's mm. really good. If you get the word arrangement right on that tweet though, yeah. like the outrage gives you a few likes. Oh, watch it go. Mate, fucking get, get a woke scold, right? <laughs> just get that, just a little bit of poetry in it, a nice little turn of phrase. Fucking yeah. watch those watch those likes balloon up in the air as mentions for fucking yeah. days. And then you get followers and then what does yeah. that mean? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Fucking dopamine, scold yeah. the shit out of someone behind your screen. Hey, Bukowski batted well. Hey, Bukowski's a young golden retriever <laughs> puppy boy. Felt good. <laughs> He's got an organised... What does this mean? What does any of this fucking he's mean? He's got man? an organised game. Yeah. I'll watch that for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. He looks organised. He played down the ground. Mm. He made 62. It was safe. Mm. It was really nice. Mm. Yeah, everything was really innocent at the start of this game, wasn't it? You know, like... Uh, Big front pad. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll blow that, blow that off. Yeah, actually. And <laughs> compulsive hooker as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, there were, the, the biggest issue at the start of this test match was the weather issues. It was Melbournians, you yeah, know, having yeah. their annual festival oh. of love for their own uh, weather because it's a bit hot here when uh, it's raining in Sydney. Mate, i got um, to say on that, oh, sorry, this is the mm. fucking most minuscule point, but it is really interesting that, like, the beginning of January, the first week in January yeah. in Sydney, first two weeks, it rains in Sydney. Yeah, they, every should, year. Ch- they should move it. Mate, it's fucking crazy because I remember, like, playing finals in uh, when I, the, the, the very few times that my oh, team okay. made finals. I might play oh, for finals, did you? Fuck, speaking of that. that I've got fucking 10 minutes on that kind of gear. Um, <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, like, the first week of finals in Sydney for, for grey cricket always rained. Like that's that's like end of March. It's just fucking where the patterns are like. It's almost like everything's connected, but it's not, as we know. It's just a man no. in the sky doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Magic sky daddy god. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was like, you know, the, the, it was su- such an innocent start. You know, weather issues. Oh, Pekovsky looks good. Yeah. Oh, is he is he a compulsive hooker? Oh, Smith's playing a lone hand when everyone's crumbling around him. Just felt it just felt really like, you know. Gavaska was talking about his weird categorization of hundreds with. Father-in-law hundreds and granddaddies and yeah. babies and stuff. So, that was really nice and innocent. We could we could discuss those things, you know. Um, so if you didn't catch that, Surab Ganguly was uh, Surab Ganguly. Fucking hell, Sonny Gavaskar was. Um, I was thinking about Sky SG. Daddy Dada. Yeah, Surab Gavaskar was talking about the rankings of hundreds. One hundred is a baby hundred. He was going through 150, 200, 250, 300. and two fifty. So two hundred was a daddy hundred. Yeah. Then two fifty was a father-in-law hundred. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't remember what 300 was. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, I'm sure he scored each of, each of those ones. He runs. Yeah. yeah. It's it was a good, good stick. Yeah, it was a good stick. <laughs> uh, but, mate, amazing cricket. It, it feels like so many players did things of repute, you know. 
Cameron Green hit 80-odd. Pekofsky, 60. Cummins was just unerring, irrepressible. Hazelwood wasn't far behind him. Smith hit 210 runs in the match. Labuschagne, 90 and 70. Mm. Like, there's a lot of guys. Just, and then and then for India, I mean, Richard Pants innings in the fourth innings, uh, innings uh, yesterday, mm. after having been fucking destroyed mm. on his elbow a few days before that, come out number five, inspired decision to do that. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, interestingly, like Australia couldn't do the business in the fourth innings, you know, and, I, and I think Lyon was a bit benign. Uh, and yeah, a, a, yeah. Some really good batting, yeah. probably a flat wicket, but, yeah. that, you know, it's it's funny, isn't it? Like, in retrospect, with Green, you probably have three – I know you can only bowl ten overs, but you've got three seamers there, maybe a second spinner would have been good, but we don't want to break up the golden trio because that's our, you know. Um, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's always like, well, we didn't win this game, so how do we fix it? And they'll mm. be like, then we'll fix it. When they have the right remedy, mm. we'll then lock in the Rubik's cube, and that'll be like that forever. Pajara, oh, it's a bit slow. In the, a bit slow in the first innings. That was that was rubbish. It's like that's how he plays, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how it works. And everyone's everyone's scoring rate is down, and he's yeah. a typically slow scorer anyway. Yeah. So it's like just he scored seventy seven in the second dig. Yeah, Ashwin's mate. batting. Ashwin hasn't hit a fifty since twenty seventeen. I heard so he's just played a great innings. You know, really, turned back the tide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Longest uh, longest uh, India have batted in the fourth innings I saw since yeah. like nineteen seventy or something like yeah. that. Amazing. Yeah. Also, they. They could have won. It had like Vahari not done his hamstring. They only finished seventy runs behind. It's it's just a shame that like like Pants innings was unbelievable. Completely changed the match, yeah. which is where it was going. Wicked yeah. in the morning, he comes yeah. in number five. He's injured. Everyone else is fucking yeah. injured or in Got hospital. Got a bit lucky, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 so uh, you know how tough are these guys? And you know, and they do it, mate, in their, and they do it in their own way. They don't do it in the way we do it, mate. Let's mate, let's talk about. The depth of India at the moment. Yeah. Like, I think I said this last week. This is yeah. a fucking generational oh, Indian mate. team. It's going to get, it's gonna get it's better. Like, I was like, oh, no, once these guys go through, there's yeah. actually no more Indians coming through. No, nah, a fair yeah. few coming through, I reckon. Yeah. So, unavailable at the moment. Obviously, Kohli, Ishant Sharma's not even travelling. Yadav injured. Shami injured. K.O. Rahul's gone home. They've obviously got concerns for Jadeja and Vahari, who are probably not going to play. I mean, Vahari's not going to recover from a torn hamstring mm. in a week. Um, Jadeja's broken his thumb, hasn't he? Oh, he's, he's, got a, he's got a fracture and a, and a break. Um, in his thumb, I believe it is. So he ain't playing either. So they're missing six of their frontline first teamers, basically, and they're still competing with Australia in Australia at this level. It's lost like every toss. Respect. They've lost every toss. So they? They've had the second, like the you know, Australia's had the choice of the conditions every game as well. Um, well, mate, I've got to say, it's fucking set, it's set mate, up for the gamut. If Australia, beautifully. fantastically so, mate. If Australia were, if Australia were um, playing, uh, if they were batting in the fourth inning, sorry, the SCG. Could they have batted mm. 120 overs against Ashwin? Fucking <laughs> splitting yeah, Cobras down there. Yeah, exactly. Like that noise for the, yeah. uh, the visual. I didn't understand you how he bowled, but when you made that noise, <laughs> now I get, oh, yeah, no, that's tough to play. Yeah. They raised $3 million for the McGrath Foundation as well. Just Did to they? throw it out there. You know, Fuck. there are positive things that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I just it, it was just a sensational test match mm. uh, marred by ugly scenes that you just wish didn't fucking happen. Yeah. But. They do. Got to yeah. keep working on it. Yeah. Got to keep working on it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it can also be true that the cricket is fucking magnificent. Mm. Uh, and um, it's, yeah, extremely compelling. So we go to the Gabba now. Yes. So can Indy win that? Now, let me give you the record, Pez, okay. of Australia's record at the Gabba. Someone wrote in saying, why is Australia so good at the Gabba? Well, let me tell you, uh, fair listener. Um, so they've played 50, Australia have played 55 times at the Gabba. They've won 33, drawn 13, tied one and lost eight. So Australia has not lost the Gabba uh, in 28 matches, which goes back to 1988. They haven't lost a test match since 1988 at the Gabba. Pretty good record. Mm. Um, 
I don't know what to say to that. It's a fucking it's it's England's edge bass in the graveyard of many yeah. teams. They go there, mm. they can't win. But can Australia can Australia face Boomer and the Gabba? He's a pretty good bowler. <laughs> well Siraj's bowl well. Yeah, like I think the conventional thinking is that oh what happened in the last game will happen in this game. So mm. if India finished on top, you know, Australia's got hundred and thirty overs in their legs, Rahane finally wins a toss, has a stick, Australia's tired, you know, maybe. But the way international cricket tends to go is like what happened in the last match doesn't seem to impact that much what happens in the next match like mm. teams do just yo-yo mm. uh depending on who gets the advantage but like uh, yeah you know it, i mean there's there's something pretty um something like i use the word tough it's something pretty robust mm. uh, and resilient about this indian team and they're obviously all worldies mm. uh, uh it, it, you know it should <clears throat> They're obviously very two really close teams. Australia yeah. will have the advantage at the Gabba. I mean, when you you know that wicket will be very very um, like good. <laughs> Sorry for mm. uh, for the Aussie quicks. Mm. Lion tends to bowl there as well, I think, you know, from memory. So yeah, you know, a couple of guys have come back into form. So you know, Australia, you'd imagine, would still have the advantage. Mate, it's really fascinating because Bukowski looks like he's dislocated his shoulder. That's what that mm. that injury looked like. So it's probably going to be pretty unlikely to go to the Gabba. See how that goes. Yeah, obviously. I heard hopeful and that, oh, okay. and that Warner Warner's not looking good. No good. Okay, so yeah. then they're going to make a change, which means that means that uh, Harris will come in. I presume <coughs> Harris will go for back, Warner, or unless yeah. they go to Wade, dive yeah. in the batting, and then Wade head, open and head, head comes to in. come back in. I don't yeah. know. One of those two options, I guess. But it's interesting. What if India finally win a toss? Gabba always does something in the first session. Always does a bit early to use the great cricketer mm-hmm. cliche. Um, and Australia are fucking three for 50 at lunch on day mm. one. Mm. Um, fuck, three for 50 is slow scoring. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it's all possible. It's all possible. And, and Australia's still so heavily rely on Smith and Labuschagne. I know Cameron grew 84 in the second. He's batted really well. But if you gun to your head, who's going to score a 50 for you for Australia? It's, it's if Smith doesn't and Marnus doesn't, then... Looking a bit grim. Well, I think in like just raw cricketing terms, uh, you know, the thing that went wrong for Australia in this last test is that they couldn't get them out. In the they couldn't get innings. them out. Yeah, you know, lines didn't bowl with the requisite penetration, yeah. and I don't think. Look, it's un- you know, just in the cold light of day, it's unlikely they're going to have that problem at the Gabba, mm. uh, unless it's a real road or something. But like. The Gabba is usually going to provide enough assistance for the quicks to do their damage because it's the quicks who really do it. You know, Lyon is a symbiosis bowler for Australia. Like he, he to understand him, you under, have to understand how he works with the other quicks. Sort of mm. in and of himself, he's um, he's a very good bowler, I think. But like you know, he's um, he's rarely uh, that kind of match winner against the odds for them. So I think the Gabba will be really helpful to Australia. They played pretty good cricket mm. all the way up until you know a third of the way through the final day. So they'll think that they can improve on that. Mm. So Australia 4-0 Australia 4-0 But India the good guys Were the villains <laughs> Are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? <laughs> yes Yeah Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Australia's the bad oh, guys well. um, Alright well uh, mate, We spoke to David Milan Now we spoke to David um, A week ago When was yes. that? A week ago? Something like that So, um, so we're not going to ask You're not going to hear a question Of what's it like to play Against the Aussies Are they cunts? Yeah exactly Yes <laughs> Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, wonderful chat to him. Very nice man as well. Mm. And that's the most important thing. Who's a good yeah, bloke and who's not? That's right. <laughs> but, of course, Pez, this is brought to you, as ever, by Ponting Wines. By Ponting Wines. Use the code GETAFEW 
at checkout to get 10% off a case. Very proud to be sponsored by Ponting Wines because his name is good. He's a good cricketer. He's <laughs> good stick. Yeah, real good Hell stick. Hell of a stick. Hell yeah. of a stick. Struggled in India, though, so you got to yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah, that's true. Mate, speaking of like, mate, what about the stats for, uh, you know, Smith in like the top three big boys? Unfortunately, Joe Root slipped to one side, which is fair because he ain't a big boy no more, as we discussed back in the UK summer. But the big three of Williamson, Coley, and Smith – and it was like the averages, who scored the runs, who scored the most, um, most amount of test hundreds. Coley and Smith are both on 27. Joined Border. Williamson's just on 24. Yeah, joined Border. He was pretty good. Mm. Um, about 7,500 test runs each for, for all of them, I think I'm right in saying. Um, but then, like, the away record is fucking see you later. Like, Smith averages 57. Coley averages 44. Williamson, 42. I mean, fuck, 57 away? And, mate, like, like That's the way unreal. you – the way, like – Winning and performing away from home, I think, in this current test environment is the marker mm. of uh, truly great players. You know, mm. that's what you do if you're good. Not not at home comforts where you've kind of grown up in those conditions. Can you apply or ex- like do really well in conditions that are foreign to you? He averages 57. <laughs> the fuck is that? <laughs> the fuck is that? The fuck is that? What the fuck is that? That's not like, oh, I just like bouncy pictures and getting on the front dog. Yeah. Doesn't matter where you serve it up to me, it's... Going off my hip through leg. No, you got me out. Got to say to our fair Kiwi listeners that it's that's not fair on Kane because Kane doesn't play away from that. That's the system. He's actually caught in the system. He's systematically excluded from that conversation. New Zealand's next away tour is 2022 in England. So they don't really play as much. Mm. Not his fault. He also doesn't get to play against New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of runs against Mitch Santner. Yeah. Colin. Mm. Anyway, yeah, Ponny Wines, get a few. Mm. (laughs) Here's David Milan. Let's make the use of Marnie while we got him, guys. Scored a few runs this test. He's back, boys. Yeah. Couple of runs and he's back. No, just fucking back properly. Back properly. Back properly. Back properly. Do something that or his ADD. I'm going to be older than sitting with Roy and Warnie saying the same thing. We'd have to give him the hog pile, guys. Okay. <laughs> keep that shit up, we're going to squash your guts <laughs> out your ass. We'd have to give him the hog pile. Hog pile. Mate, you keep that shit up. 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 We're going to squash your guts out your ass. It's out your ass. It's out your ass. It's out your ass. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Okay, he goes joining us on Zoom. He's a man with 11,000 first class runs, 26 tons there at the time of writing. 35 matches for England across all formats. Uh, an incredible Ashes ton against Australia in Perth, 140 there. Uh, and he's the world's number one batsman in international T20s. He's with the Hobart Hurricanes at the moment and he's on the line to the great cricketer, David Milan. Cheers for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, let me start from the beginning, David. Uh, 
You were born in suburban London. I'm just telling you things you already know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you spent your formative cricket years in South Africa where you made your first class debut in early 2006. So I want to know, like, where did that leave your club cricket? Like, where were you initiated into adult cricket? Like, were you brought up in more of a, like, a macho South African vibe or a genteel in English introduction? You know, what's, what's your DNA for cricket? <laughs> I'd say it was the macho South African one. Um, so the, the way the system works out there, you play school cricket until you're 18, and then once you finish the school cricket, you go straight to club cricket. Uh, so whereas England's slightly different. You actually play, I think you play club cricket if you're under the school that plays cricket. Um, so you can start playing club cricket at 15. So I started playing for a club called Wellington Cricket Club, which is about 20 minutes outside where I grew up um, in South Africa. Um, you know, a couple of good players, a couple of ex-SA under-19 players and a couple of ex-first-class players that played there. So, you know, it was good hard cricket. I, I learned a new vocabulary uh, <laughs> playing in in the league, in the Boiler League. There were some, uh, some tasty games, um, you know, but it's, you know, it was, it was all part of the game and it was something that you were used to at the time. So it was nothing different to... Well, you didn't think that much was different in, in cricket. And then I'd, I'd probably say my first, um, after I made my first class debut, I went over to England and then, um, you know, played club cricket in England. And, and that was slightly different as well. Um, couldn't score a run, actually, when I went over. It was, I think I was quoted, or some of the club was quoted as saying I was the worst overseas player they've ever had, which was probably <laughs> fair at the time, uh, which always happens when someone comes over. You expect the, the most. And those score runs are absolutely rubbish. So um, probably deserved that one. I love how you can be the world's number one like T20 batsman in international cricket and still remember that stuff. You know, you still remember like the club that you went to thinking you were terrible. Yeah, yeah, I don't forget that stuff. It's simply that. Yeah, I'm just curious. Like, uh, so in Australia, I know you, you haven't played grade cricket in Australia. We'll come to that in a second. But um, in Australia, the sense is that like while you might learn a little bit on the field, it's what you learn off the field that's most important. Is that the same in South Africa? I mean, you learn how to manage yourself in the uh, in the sheds, in the showers, if you will. Mm. You talked about a different vocabulary, you know. Like, what are the sorts of intangibles you learn in South African club cricket uh, that help you in life or actually hinder you? Yeah, no, it's. I, I think it's brilliant. It's it's a great learning curve. It, it teaches you to, to get around new people. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to play for Wellington and then I moved over to a club called Belleville just outside Cape Town, you know, where they play two-day cricket as well. So you go into a new club, you learn to, to, to get to know new people, how to fit into a different environment. Um, you know, you have Afrikaans-speaking people, English-speaking people, um, you know, people from all different types of and walks of life. So you, get, you actually get to learn how to incorporate yourself with different cultures and, and, and ways of life as such. Um, you know, I've, I've still got some of my best friends as well from um, playing club cricket. It's amazing how you never forget those days. And there's always stories that you talk about. Um, you know, so I actually think playing club cricket teaches you a lot about yourself, because especially when you start, you're, you're actually quite young and you're playing in a man's game. You know, you come from school cricket, you start playing in a man's game. So you actually grow up slightly quicker. Um, you know, you, you, you're taught to get on the beers pretty quickly as well, which is uh, might not be the best thing for the long term in, in life. But, it um, you know, it teaches you. Um, you know, the social skills in life to, to actually um, have a good time with people and, um, you know, get along with people. I think um, we were talking to, it was Neil Wagner who we were talking to, obviously spent time in, in South Africa as well. And he was saying that um, that those, the, some of those, um, those, those um, provincial games are some of the spiciest games he's ever played. And it sounds, I'm scared just thinking mm. about those mm. games. Mm. Uh, anyway, I, I want to ask you, uh, David, that um, you know, I, I think your, your, your old man, he, he played first-class cricket as well, and your brother played for Loughborough, so I presume this, the entire family is just a family of genetic freaks, good at all sports. 
<laughs> yeah, that my father talks it up, and when you look at his stats, he averaged two with a bat and like <laughs> seventy. With he knows exactly what he averaged. He gave it massive, and then when you actually yeah, that, what was it? What's the quick info or something? And it comes up with your stats, so you can't hide from those anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. My brother played played a bit of Loughborough. Um, he was in the MCCM cricketers. He actually came and played club cricket out here somewhere. I'm not actually sure where he played. Um, but he actually absolutely enjoyed it. And funny enough, he played club cricket here and realised that there was more to life than playing cricket and decided to give up cricket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get on the booze and go to university. So that was the Aussie system for you. They taught him the right way. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah. The, but cricket's always been in the family. My old man's cricket mad. He absolutely loves it. Um, ever since I can remember, he's given us a bat and thrown us a ball. And, you know, I think the <laughs> his greatest moments were probably when I was 13 or so, and my brother was about 11, and he used to pad us up, and he had this whole, because he, he, he was a bowler, so he had this whole uh, suitcase of um, Duke's balls that he'd shined up and polished, and you know the Dukes do all sorts, to get us on these concrete concrete slabs, and he used to steam in, and he was only like 45 or so at the time, and he used to steam in, and he used to just absolutely rip us a new one. Uh, so I think that was probably the, the highlight of his life, um, to be honest, and Thankfully, we got to the stage where all the balls were done, and you know, then, then at least batting got slightly easier. So, yeah. <laughs> you just saying that to your brother? Like, actually, if you just look at the concrete slab, it'll just uh, we'll, we'll be able to see off the new ball. <laughs> well, I bowled leg spin, and my brother bowled off spin, so we were literally trying to hit each other out of the nets all the time to have some sort of fun. Because um, otherwise, you just, it was like blowing your glove off for length, so it wasn't there. Uh, yeah, so we, we, we cashed. <laughs> you mentioned the uh, Aussie system before and your, your brother coming out here. I noted from a piece in 2017, it said um, you'd never been to Australia, but you did turn down a chance to play with Sydney University. I don't know if there's much to that. Oh, I, I thought I'd, I'd ask the question because I know Kevin Peterson had played at Sydney Uni before that. Did you just get a few stories and decide, no, that's not for me? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> not as such. I so I think um, for me, so the guy that I used to live with or, or helped me when I went over to England is a guy called William Fruin. He, um, he's he got some good connections with, I think it's Danny War. I think him and Danny War are, are quite close. And I think he was involved at, at Sydney Uni. Um, I think that was the connection. And he's been sort of, he tried to push me for two or three years to come and play um, club cricket. And he said he'd sort me out at Sydney University if I, if I really wanted to come over and play. But you know, at the time I was playing two-day cricket in South Africa, I had all my... My friends were out there. I had um, all the facilities. I had coaches that I could work with. So for me, it just made sense. Unless I desperately wanted to get out of my comfort zone then. Um, you know, my family was still in South Africa. So, and, you know, out of my comfort zone was almost going to play county cricket in England. So I was under pressure for six, seven months of the year at a high intensity. So for me to go back to South Africa and actually play with my mates, have all the facilities that I needed um, to help keep me improved. Uh, was probably the only reason that stopped me coming to Australia. Mm. Sydney Uni would have needed another player at that point. Yeah, we st- started twos. Yeah, it started twos. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, you must have a, you must have an affinity with Australia, though, David. I mean, obviously, you got your um, your Test century, 140 at the Wacker. Um, I note that um, Ed Smith, national selector, sort of said that your game was more suited to playing away. Obviously, there's a big series here next year, another Rashes series. You must have your eye on that. So, are you are you are you playing in the Big Bash this year as a bit of a PR play to make Australians love you? Uh, well, I don't think they love many Englishmen. I can tell you that much. <laughs> uh, you know, having crowds back, it's amazing how many times you get told you're rubbish again. It's, it's, you know, you... <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, um, the playing in the Big Bash is something I've always wanted to do. It's you know, from the outside 
watching the tournament has been fantastic. Um, mm. You know, so to be finally be part of that is is a good, fantastic experience. Obviously, quarantine and all that has, has sort of yeah. uh, changed that slightly this year. But you know, the, the the tournament itself and the brand is is fantastic to be part of. Um, you know, it, it has said um, you know that I'll probably be better suited for overseas cricket, but he hasn't picked me on one overseas tour since he said that. So I don't know. I don't know if that actually uh, was what he meant, but. Um, yeah, it's, look, I'd love to play in the Ashes again. Um, whether I'm good enough or not is a different story. I'll, I'll leave that to Ed to decide whether I'm good enough or not. But, you know, I've, I've gone away and scored runs since I've been dropped in, in county cricket. Um, so now it's up to him to decide whether he needs me or not because there's some fantastic young players that are playing for England at the moment that have mm-hmm. done very well. well. We know in cricket that it's often more, you know, it's it's about more than runs or on-field performances, particularly in different countries as well. There's all sorts of other factors that come into play. I know it's that... You know, you've obviously played under Trevor Bayliss, who's an Aussie coach, who's an Aussie who who did coach England side. You, you had your formative years in South Africa. You've dominated English domestic cricket for a long time before you got to go. We know in Australia there's a certain you know archetype of person that tends to succeed more than others with the way they carry themselves and and helps with a sense of acceptance. Do you get that sense in England as well? You know, d- does it help to come from a certain background or know certain? people or carry yourself a certain way to get those advantages or those opportunities that others may not? No, I don't know. I think it's, you know, I, I, I think the English system is quite tough in the sense that if you come from the outside, um, you have to, you know, you're not known to the system. You're not known to the coaches that you haven't been identified with you're 15, 16, 17 and played England in the 19 to get into counties and things. So it's, uh, you know, I find sometimes because you come out of that system, which is a good thing. You have to work harder and you have to score more runs to, to sort of get noticed and get more opportunities, which teaches you good lessons in life, especially with cricket, that it's, you know, it doesn't just happen and given on a plate. So you end up having to work extremely hard for it. I wouldn't say there's any sort of secret to it or because you've come from somewhere else, you, you, you sort of get more opportunities as, as such. Um, yeah, it's, Look, it's it's. I think with anything, the more you perform, the more you get looked at. The no matter what sort of walk of life you're in, um, you know, very rarely do you sort of just get identified because you, you've got the talent. So, um, you know, Trevor Bayliss was fantastic. It was actually um, was it Buzzard uh, Brad Macromaro Macromaro? Yeah, yeah. He, um, I think he was a Channel Nine at the time, and he was close mates with the guy that I stayed with. That was close mates with Danny War as well. Um, you know, and he sort of I bumped into him, and he was. Uh, about 10 pints deep, I think. And he was sort of saying, well, look, it's um, under Trevor Bayless. If you, if you play well and you um, show that you've got the basic things, you know, he'll pick you. He's not going to sort of overlook certain things. If he, he wants the best to play. Um, and thankfully I got picked in a, in a game. I got given an opportunity, um, you know, and I got picked in test cricket. I think it was a month later when, you know, so unexpectedly, um, mm. you know, and Trevor, uh, Paul Farbrace actually said to me, he said, uh, Trevor Bayliss sort of watched me play that first game and said, well, you know, he goes forward to the full ball and he goes back to the short ball. Like, why haven't we seen this guy before? And, you know, that's pretty simple stuff being going forward and back. And that just sums Trevor Bayliss up, like brilliant coach, like creates a fantastic environment um, for you to be able to go out and perform. And it just keeps it so simple, which is what you want naturally. When it starts getting complicated, that's when too many things start going on. Fuck, test cricket's really easy. You just, go, you just go, go forward to the full ball. I was going back my half yeah, life. That's that's just get in the front. They don't bowl me, especially when you're facing Cummins and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, because um, there are so many Aussies, you know, knocking knocking about in in the UK county system, David. And um, there was actually a really interesting story this week about Stuart Law and uh, and Shane Watson and their relationship 
with each other and they had this really spicy relationship where Stuart, uh, Shane Watson left Queensland then Stuart Law didn't like that. Then they had this like running battle for for almost a decade or, or, or years anyway in, in Sheffield Shield. And uh, I know that um, Stuart Law was the, the coach at Middlesex for your last two years. You spent 13 years there and then before he moved to Yorkshire. And um, I, I wonder if there's like a generational thing of like maybe butting heads or different ideas or anything because I know your last year at Middlesex – I think you guys finished eighth in Division Two of the County Championship, but you yourself scored a thousand runs, and you might have been a bit like, "Well, I've got things I want to achieve. Here. I want to win some trophies." And and Stuart Lawn might have been coming at a different time, but was was his ideas? Did his ideas of coaching or anything clash with you? Or was it just that you wanted to move on to a, to a different challenge? Uh, I just needed to move on to a different challenge. Um, you know, there was. Uh, I think to some extent there was a bit of a. You know, they're trying to rebuild again um, mm. the club. So whether that was Stewie or. Um, Angus Fraser or the CEO, whoever was was doing the direction. Whereas, you know, I sort of felt a little bit like, you know, I'm 33 years old. I want to win trophies. I don't want to be in a three or four or five year rebuilding period. And by the time we start winning, I've, I've retired. Mm. Um, you know, that that was that. I also felt like I wanted a fresh challenge. Um, you know, I, I felt I wanted to get, to, uh, you know, somewhere where I could keep starting with the new coaching structure, starting with a new team where you have to, you know, start from the bottom, keep pushing yourself from a fitness point of view, from a, from a batting point of view to keep being hungry to score runs. Cause you know, I still wanted to play test cricket. I still do want to play test cricket. If I'm good enough, um, I still felt I was there and thereabouts for the white ball stuff. Um, you know, the last thing I wanted was to become stale. Not that I, that would have been through a coaching staff or through Middlesex itself. That would just be from being in the same place for so many years and doing the same things over and over and over. So, you know, that was more the reason that I left was, um, you know, just to give myself some sort of um, kick up the backside to keep wanting to get better and improving. Um, you know, and I, you know, and I, I, I actually think that I've, I've reaped the rewards from that mm. of going away and having a new environment where I've have to start from scratch again, start from the bottom. It's not just expected, you and, and you are expected to score runs, so to have that, that pressure on you again, um, you know, is a nice feeling. Mm. You are dominating, David, and, and you're doing particularly well in the T20 format. Uh, how good is it that you can be the world's best T20i batsman? Recently, you dominated against South Africa. You averaged 50 in that format, and the thing most people want to talk about is whether or not Owen Morgan likes you. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard a lot about this, this stuff. It was, um, you know, after the, the New Zealand series, when was it like 14, 15 months ago, whatever it was, suddenly uh, me and Morgs hate each other and we don't speak to each other and we all this stuff which is yeah. you know absolutely absurd I've, I've said this before in, in the 14 years or 13 i was at middlesex whatever it was you know, we've never had an argument like so you know it's, it's amazing how people sort of um, jump on something and they look into something and then one guy says something in, in some sort of way and then suddenly everyone jumps on something so it was uh, it was quite funny to watch and to listen and you know you don't get picked for a game but you've been told before the series you're definitely not playing the game whether you scored four hundreds or you get four noughts. And then suddenly because you're not playing the game, it's because you've fallen out or something. So it's absolutely uh, absolutely absurd. You know, that I don't think anything like that uh, takes place in, in, in international cricket and especially under under um, Owen. Mm. Well, that's just the nature of cricket though, isn't it? Like, As in, you know, we always just pick at the thing that seems a little bit wrong even though so many other things can be <laughs> right. And, and like, you know... To that end, I was curious to ask you, like, you've spoken so much about being the world's best T20i batsman and at the start you said, oh, well, it, it felt, felt a little bit weird. I'm just sort of putting words in your mouth there. But I'm sure it's something that you're very proud of and it reflects wonderful results in, at, at that level. I just wonder about, just with our grade cricket experience, 
what you've observed the reaction from your mates around you being like teammates and stuff like that have they been a little bit like oh what's that about or how, you know like <laughs> oh i'm like, really proud really proud of you and stuff like that but have they been a little bit like oh what's it you know what's this so oh, that, that's normally coley or something you know what i mean like yeah i think initially um when i got there because I've, i haven't played a lot of games you know you, you sort of look at it and go gosh how how is that sort of the the place you know when you have someone like coley and Bubba and these guys that have been so unbelievable for 50, 60, 80 games, um, you know, to suddenly have a title that says that you're a, you know, a title that says you're a better player than them when, you know, deep down, you probably know you're not anywhere near as, as good as them. Um, you know, so to, to have that title was, you know, initially it was quite, you know, I, I was quite taken back by it. Um, obviously, I know how the system works. It's done over consistency over a period of time. And thankfully, unfortunately, England have actually played a lot of 2020 cricket over that time. Uh, a lot more cricket than a lot of the other teams in 2020. So we've, we've had more opportunities, um, you know, and then um, going to South Africa and having to actually back it up after having that tag, you know, I think I was really proud of that. Um, you know, whereas sometimes when you have sort of tags like that, you can almost fold under pressure and you can sort of let it get to you and stuff like that, which I've tried my best not to, to listen to that. Um, I mean, batting out here, it's not really helping as well with uh, every time I walk, walk out to bat and announce it goes the world number one batter or something like that. You're you're setting me up for a first baller or something here. So, um, you know, so, but, and then with the, with the boys and the team, it's, it's, it's it's actually been quite funny because when it was initially, you know, Joss and and Morgs both like, Oh gosh, number one, mate, well done. Awesome. Awesome work. Um, And then, you know, Moeen always gives me a little bit of like a little bit of an elbow here or there to sort of uh, wind me up about how bad I actually am and stuff like that. So you keep quite, Quite, quite grounded um, and stuff. But I think, you know, it's, it's, I think the, the one thing about the England team is, you know, we obviously don't really worry about who's number one and who's number 100 and stuff like that. But, you know, they, they are very good at um, enjoying each other's success, which is what I think has made this um, England white ball team so good is that they really are pleased that people score runs and they, they really enjoy it because, you know, it, it might be my good three months that I'm having. And then, you know, when I start having a bad three months, it could be Jason Roy that has a good three months or Johnny Besser, or Morgs or Stokes or whoever it is. So there's always someone that's um, with the quality of players you have that's that's doing really well at the time and the boys really do enjoy it and and it's it's really good watching those guys as well and, and watching each other when people do get going and, and are playing well because it's exciting. You know, we're we're fans ultimately at the end of the day as well, even though we are playing with within in the same team, you know, we, we do enjoy watching each other whack it all over the park and whoever it is on the day, um, you know, we enjoy that. You've obviously played all over the world in, in, in many great franchises, um, you know, all over the world, but you haven't played in the IPL yet. How's that happened? Oh, you know, look, I'm, I'm not saying I'm good enough to play in the IPL by any I am. St- mm. stretch of the imagination, but I've only ever, I've only put my name in the IPL once, um, yeah. you know, because I've wanted to play test cricket. And if you don't play the first six or seven games for in, in county cricket, you actually miss out on a chunk to be able to put your name forward. Um, you know, this this year is slightly different. I've, I spoke to York and Yorkshire have allowed me to put my name in. So whether I get picked up or not is a different story. You know, there's unbelievably good good cricketers. You know, if you look at the Indians, um, you know, the top three Indian batters, you know, in each team are fantastic. And then you throw in the Cox and the Warners and the Kane, Kane Williams, uh, yeah, Kane Williamsons and the Johnny Bairstows and Lins and guys like that that have, you know, hardly even played, sat on the bench, you know, you, you can understand how tough it is to get into this tournament. So, mm. you know, if I'm lucky enough to gig this year, then, or yeah, this year, we are 2021, yeah, so mm. I don't even know which year it is. Mm. But 2021, <laughs> if I get a gig, then, you know, that'd be um, 
fantastic and it'd be a dream come true. And if not, then, you know, you understand why, because it's just such a tough tour to get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder, um, I was just looking at some of the, some of the sort of highlights over the last few days in the in the Big Bash League, and it's like um, I just noticed like guys are getting a little bit edgy. I just wonder if like guys are getting a bit bored in the bubble, a little bit of frustration boiling over. I saw um, was it Mark Steckity was having a crack at uh, Ollie Davies the other day, and then Bilbo, our, our close personal friend Sam Billings, um, you know, had to get involved. And then last night Matt Renshaw gave um, Kane Richardson a massive send off, and it's like I haven't seen this before in the Big mm. Bash. Is this guys getting bored in the, in the bubble, or what's mm. what's going on? It might be. It might be a few frustrations building up. Yeah. Um, I think as well because you play against the same team twice. You know, you you can play against someone this week and he can rub you up the wrong way, and then you know you don't see him again for another three or four weeks or whatever it is, and then you play against him again and it's sort of forgotten. Um, yeah. You know, so I think there's there's a bit of needle in that, which is it's quite good as well because <laughs> you know sometimes playing these leagues and everyone's each other's mates, and someone says something, and then everyone starts laughing, and then it's all like oh, a bit jokey, jokey. So it's actually quite nice to see the boys have got a bit of passion and you know it's been tough you know these new rules and things have made it you know a different brand as such if you want to make it that way because you you don't know what a good score is bowlers are bowling at different times and mm. bowler gets you out and he's happy and he gives massive celebration and the next time you get him and you tell him to do one and <laughs> it, it, it's it's all sort of going along with that so it's um yeah it's good to see actually as long as it doesn't cross the line um mm. get personal get a bit silly like uh, like maybe last last night did in, in that game that I watched, um, yeah. you know, where people are sort of walking at each other and stuff. But if there's a few words, I think that should just be allowed. It's all part of the game. Yeah. Is anyone you're lining up uh, to have a few <laughs> words at? You're the number one. Uh, I'm hanging at the moment. I'm getting abused enough from, from behind me, so I'm just going <laughs> to keep looking forward and quiet until someone comes at me. <laughs> It would have been funny if you called somebody out on this cast, which is publishing next week. <laughs> anyway, um, Darwin Milan, thanks so much for joining us and for your time, mate. All the best with the Hurricanes and uh, the Ashes ambitions and being world number one and all of that uh, and beyond. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay, here goes, as you and the fair listener will know, and there's a there. mutant virus. <laughs> Why is that funny? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. The yeah. virus has mutated. It's the look in your eyes when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a mutant virus. Yeah. The virus has mutated. It seems to be everywhere. It's particularly difficult and rife in our, uh, for our friends in the UK at the moment. Mm. Um, the reason I say Not this. Not they I really care. They're still out and yeah. about. <laughs> right. There's only a lockdown pretty hard now. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean to trivialise that, by the way. But... Um, uh, our dear friends at Budgie Smuggler are ramping up their masks if that is something you need. And we do. We need masks. And if you'd like a mask that looks great, uh, because some people like that, mm. take it or leave it, you know, mm. if not, no dramas. But if you would like a mask that looks great, the guys at Budgie Smuggler can make them for you. You can design your own. You can put whatever you want on there. You know the drill in relation to this. As I um, I went down to, uh, to Brighton here in Melbourne on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, it was Saturday. Um, and I was driving past a ground that I presume, I don't know Melbourne very well, so, so mm-hmm. I don't know what ground it was, but I presumed it was um, a great cricket ground. It just looked great cricket, like lower grade mm-hmm. stuff. And um, Did you watch the ball, like, like crane your head around while you were driving? Yeah, I almost un- got an un- <laughs> yeah. So you could evaluate the ball and your sorry in relation to it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yes, I did. Um, just a bit back of length, actually. Um, wouldn't, I wouldn't actually say that field. And uh, I just had that instinct. I didn't have the instinct. I just rem- I just I was driving um, with my lady friend to the to lunch. I saw this. It was a sunny day, and mate, fucking you and 
Well, yeah. you can put it up on Insta. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was hiding on Instagram. Yeah, brand, I think, thank you from a brand perspective. Thank you to the thirty people who replied. Got a girlfriend, do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, fucking scroll through the my yeah. message request. Anyway, so I was driving like to the um to the to lunch and uh, beautiful sunny day, and I was just thinking like I'm driving to a happier life, and then I was thinking about people who were people who like drive past cricket grounds yelling out, "How's that? Why is that the instinct?" And then I was thinking, put on a face mask. How's that on the face mask? Ah, nice, nice. There'll be people out there in light of uh, you know, the last few days who want to put pictures of Smith crying and Warner crying and stuff on there. Mm. I wouldn't advise it, but the point is it's your right. Mm. And that I'm sure the Budgie Smuggler guys will upload it, you know, if you want. Mm. Just trying to give you a few ideas and spitball. I personally wouldn't. Yeah, that would be um, weird seeing Smith's face at a press conference yeah. on your mouth. Played soccer with a bloke once. Uh, he's an English guy. And uh, like so living good. in Australia, uh, he was not good. Um, <laughs> and uh, a huge Liverpool fan. Yeah, right. And his number plate, a uh, personalised number plate, was um, Hate United. H eight. That's fucking United. That's and It was more shit. like uh, that's shit. What, like, wh- why focus on? Um, why focus on the thing you don't like rather yeah. than the thing you like? But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, this is a long way of saying budgie smuggler are doing masks. <laughs> Um, that may or may not assist you with the mutant virus. Get round uh, when I say that, I'm not saying that I'm against masks. No, I think masks work. Now, that's different to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, isn't it? And yet it still feels the same when you say mutant. <laughs> I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Same. Raphael Forever Boys. Same. Jeez. When I was a kid, I used to have a full yeah. uh, turtle suit costume. He was angry, Raphael. Was he? Yeah. He, I think he was a sledger. Had some dad stuff. Yeah. Oh, he's just, just grumpy. Yeah. Broody. Okay. But he might have a reason for that. Where does Splinter come in? He's the master. Yeah. BudgieSmuggler.com. Champ, champ for free shipping. Hashtag us. TJC. Now. Here we go. Strap in. Woo. Hell of a week in the cricket. All right. Let's just get into it. Come on. Anon. I'm nervous, man. No, don't be nervous. It's a great story. Dear Higgs chap and Pez chap. Probably best this one stays anonymous. I'm a 27-year-old working for the NHS as a COVID tester. Good I on ha- you. I haven't... <laughs> you can't say that without being like, yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, true. Like going to a dinner party. Thanks for coming. Oh, why is that a send-off? TFC award. I haven't played... Cr- <laughs> All right. <laughs> I haven't played cricket in about five years after ending my career playing a bit of second and third level stuff, but still follow the game. And your podcast means that cricket seems to be rooted deep in my subconscious, as it is with so many of us. An important factor to note is that I'm also a gay bloke. Not usually a relevant factor, but quite important in relation to this story. I'm submitting to two strangers on the internet in the hope it might raise a few cheap laughs. There's a whole discussion around me being gay and the fact my dad ran away when I was 18 months old, but maybe that's for another day. About a month ago, I was bored out of my life at home and decided to stroll through the gay dating app Grinder. It's important to say that although it's described as a dating app, it's more often used as a casual sex hookup app for guys. App for guys. I received a message from a guy asking if I wanted to go to his and have a threesome with him and his boyfriend. Picks were exchanged, they were attractive enough, and they'd caught me in the right mood, so to speak. So I made the short drive and arrived at their house. Making my way into the house, I found them both in the living room. <sighs> now, I'm not the most awkward person going, but also I never really know what to say in these situations. Luckily for me, after years of listening to the Grey Cricketer podcast, my subconscious knew exactly what to say. For some, for some inexplicable reason, the greeting I chose was to bellow out, Boys! <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on. A la Brendan Julian. <laughs> as shocked as I was at this, I was even more shocked to find that one of my potential chops got the reference. <laughs> Standing up, he said, Oh, great cricketer. <laughs> After a, after a short conversation about cricket, hardly foreplay, we did the deed. I won't go into too much detail here, but but there was a moment where the geography of our threesome meant that I was facing the fellow TGC fan, and this is where things escalators escalated. I'm sorry to say, I poked him in the eye. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what came over me, but I just couldn't help myself. It's almost as if the talk of TJC precocious had stirred up my desire to amuse myself by assaulting another man while I was penetrating his boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I found it hilarious. While he got the reference, the victim of my eye poke was pretty hacked off as his boyfriend was wondering what the hell was going on. The sex was ruined and I duly left, still chuckling to myself on the drive home. My questions are as, fo- my questions are as follows. Because I'm a COVID tester, can I, can I now say I've made my test taboo and done a bit of test stuff? Are you boys proud of yourself that your content has, has such reach that you've infiltrated gay group sex? Should I go around again? I still sometimes shout about with my old GM hero and clearly the fact I managed to deliberately jab the tip of my finger into someone's eye during sex means my hand-eye coordination is still pretty good. Thanks, boys! Anon. <laughs> What's the one? Just the physical symptoms. I'm sweating again. I'm at work, man. Yeah. I'm working right now. I don't know. So man. he's walked into a threesome and his instinct was to go, Boys! <laughs> You know. Fuck me. You know. It's not about cricket, is it? What, this show? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No, I know that. What are you supposed to do with that, You know what? No, well, I just, I can't do much with that other than to say, yes, I am proud. That's made my day. It's got great It's made my day. Yeah. Truly. When I first read that, I was like, is this real? Like, is that is it that actually happened? His son got a creative mind. Yeah. No, I, I, that's, no, I that's believe too it, real. It's too yeah. real. It's too real. Yeah. If you've had a strange TJC <laughs> during group sex, <laughs> tell us the weirdest place TJC was referenced. And no, that's great. Yeah. I appreciate the story. Thank and well you. written. Well done. Very well done. That's that's Hall of Fame for me. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, I was fucking in tears during that first time. <laughs> Just got off the phone from my son on FaceTime down the, down the coast, two years old. Fuck, dad's got to go back to work. <laughs> uh, okay, we happy? Yeah. Bob wrote... Well, two Bob, questions there. Bob Sorry. writes... Yeah, it is a deep question, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, evening, fellas. I'm writing to you from the empty front room of my family home during a Christmas holiday evening. It's empty because mum's out and my father has chosen to spend the last hour outside alone with a beer as it's, inverted commas, quite a nice evening. 
For context, I'm a UK listener. It's currently minus one degree outside and he'd rather sit in the pitch dark than spend time with me. But enough about that man who is my father in name only. My real issue is about the true big daddy of my life. And by that, I of course refer to the alpha of my cricket team. I'm 25 and have played once for my club for a few years now as a lanky opening bowler to a decent UK amateur level. It's no Sydney test cricket, but then if I wanted to be abused for eight hours by men with identity issues, I would stay at home with my biological father and save myself the match fee. Poignant. The undisputed... We actually play Red Joe. Yeah, yeah. Match fees fucking... Yeah. The undisputed... Alpha of our club is late 30s and part of a family dynasty that has been the backbone of our club for generations. He obviously also plays ones, fields at first slip and opens the batting with typical alpha attitude. To illustrate, last season he'd been caught long on for a 13 ball 38 in the third over of a game and returned over a boundary quipping, I was just in one of those moods where everything had to go. (laughs) Fuck. I can imagine that. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah. He later regaled us mere mortals with the story of a 20-something him snapping his banjo string whilst chopping our teammates then recently divorced mother-in-law on the hallway stairs of their family home whilst our teammates then girlfriend now wife slept blissfully unaware in an upstairs bedroom can i can i stop there mate yeah what's snapping his banjo string is he talking about his dick i presume he means his penis yeah okay right he snapped his dick he's whilst chopping our teammates then recently okay got it okay yeah <clears throat> The Alpha had been talking about retiring at the end of last season. Shock horror, he's actually going round again. And in typical style, started brazenly dissecting the credentials of all of us, his teammates, as candidates to replace him as Alpha. He looked me dead in the eyes and smirked, decent chat and a good length penis, but I just can't have someone with that physical stature replace me. Mate, your penis is a good length. What? (laughs) What? Why are you saying that to me? Just imagine Decent chat and a good length penis But I just can't have someone with that physical stature replace me (laughs) What needs to go wrong in life to get to that point I feel out of breath seeing the quote written out in black and white (laughs) But it could be (laughs) that I've just finished my newly prescribed chest and arms workout routine (laughs) Could be, I don't know I just want to put that in Look at out of breath writing Yeah, Yeah, yeah Unsurprisingly, he came to the conclusion that none of us were worthy and he was in fact irreplaceable. Yet somehow I feel closer than other contenders. He publicly states that he enjoys our verbal alpha jousting and we have similar interests outside of cricket, recently being invited into his inner circle for midweek beers before lockdown. My question to you is this, with the usual avenues of boosting social capital, such as shower chub-ups, loose drinking behaviour and tall sexual tales, being on hold during the third, third UK lockdown, how do I feel about his, how do I seek his approval and ascend to Alfredon next season? Is the answer in relentless gym work, better scene presentation, or is all this all wasted energy and am I doomed to social mediocrity? And more importantly, why the fuck is my dad still outside? <laughs> Love the pod. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Bob. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Now, people might wonder, Pez, how, um, how we got to the situation where um, the great cricketer exists and how we got to the stage of uh, what the Australian captain was saying during a test match. I'll just read that a couple of times. Mm. Um, yeah. It's yeah. all there. It's all there. Now, I, I'm, all, I'm fascinated with the um, – I'm recently fascinated with the perception of the faux alpha, the person who thinks that they're alpha and they'll say that they're alpha. Now, there's nothing less alpha, as we keep saying. There's nothing less alpha than announcing yourself as the alpha. Oh, yeah. It's you a great can, paradox. And it's complex. Exactly. It is complex. There's a few levels to it, mm. and uh, you need to listen to this for eight years to understand it. Mm. <clears throat> um. I don't really know what this question is about um, other than 
um, there being the immediate representation um, and presentation of um, male toxic relationships with each other. And the problem Bob's got, because Bob's question on face value is like, what do I need to do to become alpha? Now, the problem Bob has, having read his, you know, literature. (laughs) Yes. He's... Bob, I'm sorry, but I think you may be too self-aware to become an out-and-out alpha. He's sort um, of mocking. He's mocking yeah, his... Um, because everywhere he looks, whether it be his um, adopted father or yeah. his actual father, he sees toxic alphadom. Yeah. And he's trying to go down the conventional paths to achieve that as well. What is the pull of becoming the out-and-out alpha when you are able to see? Like you're through the looking glass, Bob. You can only be that style of alpha if you've got no fucking clue what's going on around you, mm. really. It might be a nice life. I, was, I wanted to know more mm. about him joining the inner city work beers of this guy because usually what happens in cricket is once you actually join the other an outside circle yeah. of someone who might have a particular character at the club, yeah. around their other mates they don't have that character. They don't have a character, yeah. They usually get worked pretty hard by mm. people with lives and other things that, go, Isn't that, that interesting. are happening. I was thinking about this because um, you know when people like move overseas and like they can be happy in, in certain well, – they move like in a different friendship circle. A lot of, mm. For a lot of people, let's say in Australia, you move to London or whatever, right? I'm not mm. talking about you, not talking about me. I'm just talking mm. about like generally. Like a, lot of, a lot of Australians move to London. Yeah, we do. And, um, and it's like they can be the version of themselves they want to be there because they're starting a new life. Mm. Now, what they'll tend to do is they'll tend to then associate with people they just knew back in Sydney but yeah. living like Clapham yeah. Junction. Yeah, Aussies <laughs> so, go over to the UK and make heaps of mates with Aussies. Yeah, where should we go? Walkabout? Yeah, yeah. that would be a good place to mingle. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, but it's like when you're – in the cricket club, that's that can be a version of yourself that you might want to be, but you're also just like mirroring and sort of like monkey see monkey doing with like the people that were the alphas, your predecessors, the people who were first graders and second graders when you started in fifth grade and fourth grade. You're just like, oh, that's if I want to play in that level, I got to be like them. I won't, I won't reach their athletic ability or their skill set. I'll just be like them. Mm. And then you move yourself out of the cricket club and you become a different person. We had a question during um, the uh, um, hashtag ICGC Fridays on Patreon last week about like the language you use around grey cricket. And it's like they're two different people. You come home from a day of grey cricket, you spend eight hours with a group of dysfunctional men and you're swearing all the time because, you know, I've never sworn on this podcast. Mm. And then like, and then you have to like check yourself when you go back into society. (laughs) It's like, it's like a conjugal visit. Yeah. (laughs) And you come back and you're like, oh no, I'm a different person now. So you sort of like, so Bob's kind of like, caught up in this uh, corner he's caught up he's still he's still aware. i remember when i moved to melbourne in 2011 i hadn't played grade cricket for like a year or two right. and i um arranged to go and play grade cricket yeah. at st kilda which is like mm. a quite an established famous club down yeah. here in melbourne yeah and uh They're a good team now, I, yeah 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 i've always been really strong and okay, uh, right. i was warned clubs so. uh, anyway yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Club, club mates and um yeah, we went on a like as part of a ones twos like uh trial we went away to the country okay and uh like for, for a couple of games yeah. and, you know, out at the pub and all that kind of gear. Yeah. And like, I just, you know, immediately got straight back into grade cricket chat. It does like, it's like riding a bike. Yeah. And I just remember getting home. My, my grandma had actually come down to see me and she was with my, you know, um, girl, then girlfriend. Yeah. And they'd like made dinner <clears throat> and straight away went, oh, result. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said that, I knew that it had started influencing me again. <laughs> it felt quite good. Yeah. Walk in boys. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're too far gone, Bob. I don't think you're going to be the alpha that you um, will say here that you want to be. I just think you've got to crack on just being yourself there, brother. Pez, last one for this week. Yep. Matthew Taylor. Dear Pezzy Lad and Higrat, I must say 
in repost to your theory that all girls hate cricket. Uh, sorry, can we test that premise? Never said that. I've Straw man that. arguing. Build it up to knock it down. So let's just, for argument's sake, let Matthew carry on here. Well, he says, I have some evidence to the contrary. That's good, because we agree. <laughs> I've never said that. <laughs> like, you have like Elisa Healy on the show and all those guys like, oh, all girls hate cricket. <laughs> carry on. One hinge girl earlier this summer asked if I wanted to come over to hers on a Friday night for drinks last minute. But I couldn't as I had already returned from London to Farnham, rural Surrey, to play threes the next day. I explained my predicament and she told me she loved cricket and asked me to send her photos of me and some cricket whites. She told me her favourite player was Stuart Broad, so I'm not sure how I compare. We eventually went on a Tuesday night date, yuck, which didn't work out. Timing is everything, so I feel this was just another example of Saturday cricket ruining my sex life. Stupidly, I told my teammates of the aforementioned events, which led to ridicule in the stretching circle the following week. I disappointed all my teammates who anticipated an interesting sex story. I decided to tell the truth and accept the humiliation. As a 26-year-old who performed adequately in the dating game, I didn't feel a sense of shame and have accepted failure occurs from time to time. I have also had other dates where I have been left perplexed as I've been asked how the World Chess Championship point system works and who is England's best bowler. Maybe it's just the fact that I operate in the West London Hinge ecosystem where the demographic of girls I usually go out with is posh, privately educated from home counties, but there is a genuine interest for cricket amongst the female community. But my main question is, how do I answer such questions without sounding like a cuck? The question of England's best bowlers obviously depends on conditions and the format, how do I explain this in an interesting way? How the fuck does the World Test Championship work? Should I have lied to my teammates and made up a fake sex story? Or is that even more sad? Thoughts? Kind regards, Matthew. Now, as I read that on, I realized what Matthew's saying. I, I think I had said um, in the past, like in my dating life, and I'd spoken to like a lot of people would say like, they'll say like, I got no interest in cricket. And that's, that's been my experience. Got but uh, I've never said that like, yeah. <laughs> never said that all women hate cricket. Mm. Even if that. they play deep down, they hate it. <laughs> we yeah, all hate you it. S- you said that, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that's right. We what's it. the point? <laughs> yeah, what's the difference? Oh, I can hate it. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so this anyway, is so Matthew's found himself in a hinge eco dating system with yeah. uh, uh, home counties in in West London. Yeah, but I don't get it because isn't he isn't he saying that in his experience, some girls actually like cricket? So yeah. shouldn't he? Like, and he's got a lot of conversational topics that he'd like to raise with them around, you know, the relativism of fast bowling mm. uh, rankings, the mm. World Test Championship, and confusion thereof. Mm. Not to be confused <laughs> with Confucius. Yeah. I thought you said World Chess Championships there before, which would be interesting <laughs> from a cricket perspective. I read what I wanted to read. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know how the World Test Championship works. I don't know how it works. Yeah, aren't Engl- uh, so New Zealand number one in the world at the moment, aren't they? But Australia's atop the table of the World Test Championship. So yeah, it's a, yeah. different rankings. Uh, different things, mate. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. 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 So they might so, finish number one and not be in the final at Lords. So how it works is the... Um, oh, this will be good. <laughs> Let me tell you how it yeah. works. No, there's each each system, each each test series is worth 120 test championship yeah, yeah. points. And so that's why, that's how like a five test Ashes series can be the same weighting as like England, uh, as like a yeah. Pakistan and New Zealand of like two tests or three mm-hmm. tests or whatever they're playing. Or the West Indies are two tests. That's, that's also 120 test points up for grabs in that series. Because obviously there's only three teams who play more, they played more test cricket than anyone else. That's how they're bouncing yeah. out. That's how. But Australia's at the top, despite having fewer points than India, because they've won a higher percentage of their matches or something Fuck as well. Me, I don't know that's that how that. you get the points, yeah. So yeah, just raise that on your dates, yeah. uh, Matthew. That should be good. That should be good. Well, for I suppose sex what, life. He's, what he's what he's what he's asking is like, 
how do you talk about cricket in a non-cuck way? You got to be cool about it, don't you? I think you, I think in that instance you would have to like um, you know if your date wants to be like if your date wants to bring cricket to the conversation, go for it, man. But I wouldn't be bringing it up first. It's a really I think it's an interesting question because as you say, can you talk about cricket in a dating context without sounding like a cuck? Mm. Now I'm just thinking about okay, well who's the best player to have ever played that might still be dating? Shane Warne. How would he talk about? I don't. I. I don't even. I think Warren wouldn't be talking about cricket. In he barely any talks of his. about cricket when he's commentating the cricket. It's true. <laughs> Is that possible? Can you can you make cricket sexy? If you're talking about the game, if I ever talk about it with a female partner, I'll be very flippant about it. Ah, oh, yeah. Oh, just give it a whack. <laughs> Explain that. Because we're watching the Big Bash on our first date. Okay. And Chris Lynn's batting. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I, yeah. I'm not sure how you can sound cool talking about cricket. Yeah, so don't. Really. Be good or fuck off. Bring that in. Thank you very much to Darwin Milan for joining the Great Reader Podcast. And we hope, from our perspective, that he maintains his number one um, ranking as T20 best batsman in the world or some shit. <laughs> so much respect So disrespectful The whole show's been about Australian respect <laughs> yeah, Exactly, yeah, fuck, whatever mate You give it a hit, yeah, go out there, give yeah, it a bash Yeah, you play a couple of T20 eyes, do you? Very nice man, thank you very much for joining us so, Thank you for everyone out there listening or watching Or wherever you are in the world, thank you very much See you guys on Patreon on Friday uh, In fact, there's a special interview dropping on Thursday Sometime Just check the feed <laughs> See you guys next week